And before, before I hand it off to Mike, I just want to give you a, a little bit of a reason why. We've been going through digital exile. I'm not going to steal any of your thunder here, I don't think. But when we were kind of planning the series and looking forward, uh, Mike's one of, our, one of the people on our vision team, and we were, we were praying and thinking about this. And Mike really felt that God has been leading him to a time of his life where he's dealing with anxiety, like helping other people deal with anxiety and like the reality of how anxious life can be. And we thought this would fit perfectly. And so for the month of March, Mike is actually going to be kind of leading us through this and helping plan and, and see it through. So can we pray for Mike quick? Is that, did you say yes? Okay, thank you. God, we're just so thankful for Mike. And I'm just so thankful for men and women who are passionate about you and who love what you're doing. And God, tonight I just pray that your words would speak powerfully through Mike. God, that you uh, would give us ears to hear eyes to see and hearts that are ready to be transformed. And tonight I just pray a special blessing on him and that his words would flow straight from you. Uh, we love you, God, and we thank you that you are the one that shoulders our burdens and the one that we can run to. And so tonight I just lift Mike up and I lift every person in this room up to you. Amen. All right. Well, got my got my towel with me here, so I'm ready if I get sweaty, so that's good. How, how many of you guys uh, during the talk there, all the talk of soup were getting a little bit hungry? That was, that was me, but thankfully it was counterbalanced by talk of digging out grown, grown in, uh, or, or hangnails and, uh, and corns, so balanced out the need for, for food. Um, anyways, uh, would you all just uh, join with me and just close your eyes for a moment? I want you to just take a deep breath in. And another deep breath. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go back to our childhood years, back to the nap days of life where gummy snacks were brought to you after you had just laid down and you got apple juice boxes. Life was good, right? We, we had a lot less anxiety as kids than we often deal with as adults. And, and like Luke said, we're, we're diving in um, as part of the egg, digital exile series into a component here on anxiety. And the way that I want to start tonight is by framing it uh, in the context that God doesn't want you to stay in your anxiety. God doesn't want you to suffer through life. He wants to give you joy in this life. He wants to bless you. And uh, we, we deal in a pretty anxious time right now in history. Uh, there's a lot going on. The culture has changed a lot over the past 20 years. I mean, you think of things like the way that we communicate now, you know, um, it's instantaneous. It's, it's always present. Uh, 20 years ago, if you wanted to contact somebody who didn't live in the same area as you, you would send them a letter and it would take days or weeks for it to, to get to them. And then it would take days or weeks for their response to get back to you. We had a lot more time to process uh, in between our interactions. On top of that, we've got this opportunity now uh, with the devices that we have to compare ourselves to others in ways that never used to be possible. You know, you used to live in a community of, that was pretty narrow, and so the amount of time that you would spend comparing your life to other people was a lot more limited. And so those are just a couple of the ways that anxiety has really stepped up over the past number of years. Um, but again, I really want to frame this conversation uh, with the idea that 
God is for us, and he wants to give us freedom over our anxieties, and he is capable of delivering us from our anxieties. Jesus came into this world, and he suffered uh, through pain and anguish, through isolation and loneliness, through betrayal, through dealing with other people's sin. And he can identify with the troubles that we face and with the anxieties that we deal with, and he wants to give us freedom from those things. So tonight we're going to look uh, at anxiety through three, uh, three kind of headings. We're going to talk about the complexity of anxiety, the roots of anxiety, and the pathway of peace. So to start things off, we're looking at the complexity of anxiety. I think often we can, we can end up in an effort of trying to help other people or trying to understand other people and what they're dealing with. We can end up oversimplifying things. And the reality is, is that anxiety is super complex. Um, each person faces things in a very unique way, and so we can't oversimplify. There's all sorts of different uh, things that people face that might be fairly unique to them. And I think a good illustration for this is the idea that anxiety can be a lot like having a home on fire. So if you imagine with me, your life being a home, being a house, it's like having a, a house fire somewhere in that house. And there's all sorts of different types of fires that can start and locations that fires can start. You know, they could start in a bedroom because a curling iron was left on, or they could start on a stove or in a fireplace. Um, and so there's all different avenues where fires could start, but they all have the same effect of damaging the home. In addition to different places that fires can start, there's different ways that we need to deal with different types of fire, right? So if you have an electrical fire versus uh, some of your furniture being on fire versus uh, you have an, an oil fire in a pan, the way that you deal with that fire and try and put it out is significantly different with each one. And in fact, if you try and put out an oil fire in the same way that you try and put out a piece of furniture that's on fire, uh, by putting water on it, you're going to end up with a much bigger fire. And so I think, again, we can try and oversimplify things sometimes, and we can end up uh, talking about anxiety in ways that aren't really that helpful because the advice that we're giving isn't tailored to the particular situation. Anxiety can stem from a lot of different areas. Uh, it could be from physical things, from health issues. Um, it could be from emotional baggage that you're carrying, uh, trauma that you've suffered in the past. And, and I really want to emphasize here, I don't want this, uh, this or the talks that we have in the next uh, few weeks to come across as, um, as patronizing um, or, or to not acknowledge the depth of pain that some people have, have felt. Uh, I know in a group like this that without a doubt there's some people who have suffered some really significant abuse in their lives. Um, at the hands of people who have cared for them. And I want you to know that um, I'm deeply sorry for the pain that you felt. Um, and I want you to know that God walks with us, that he wants to give us freedom from that baggage, that he wants to give us a new life. He wants to give us freedom. We can also face anxieties from relational issues, from mental issues. We can face anxieties because of our own moral failures, uh, we've, we've made wrong decisions, and because of that, bad things have come into our lives, and it 
increases our anxiety. We can, we can face anxiety because of money, um, not having enough of it, um, spending too much of it. We can have anxieties because of issues related to our schedule and time and how we manage those things. We can have anxieties arise from jobs. The, the point is, is that the scope of our anxieties is very broad and to try and address how we tackle each one of these things is tricky. And so um, we're going to talk about a couple of those uh, things in more depth, uh, specifically finances, and we're going to talk about schedule and time in the weeks ahead. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about something that is true of all of our anxieties tonight. In the same way with our fire illustration that there's lots of different places that fires can start and there's lots of different ways that we need to deal with them to put them out and to prevent future fires, there's also th three things that are common to every fire regardless of the type that it is and that are that it requires heat, oxygen, and fuel. Similarly, with our anxieties, there are three things that we're going to look at tonight that are common to all of our anxieties and that God gives us a pathway to combat in our lives. It's important before we address those three things that we talk about the idea that we can't just hide away our anxieties and pretend that they'll go away. When we close off Back to the illustration here, when we close off a room that has a fire in it, it doesn't stop the fire from raging in that room. And it might give us a feeling of complacency or a feeling of comfort to not see the fire, but the fact is, is that even if we can close off the door and even if the fire did go out, it means that we're not able to access a portion of our lives because we've closed that off. And God wants to bring restoration to those things. He wants us to live in a nice place, as it were. It's also another reason why we need to be careful not to buy into the world's idea of simplistic treatment methods. And, and this is something that I'm not anti-medication at all. In fact, I think that there are situations where if you're dealing with uh, deep anxiety and, uh, and you can't cope with it properly, um, there, may be, uh, there may be times where it's appropriate for you to take medications to help treat your anxiety. But taking medication is a bit like wearing a respirator when there's a fire. It helps to address some of the symptoms, but it doesn't deal with the root causes of the anxiety. And if we don't treat those things, those fires are going to continue to burn, and areas of our lives that have been unaffected will slowly succumb to those anxieties. And we don't want that. We want to heal things. We want to learn how to process and move forward. So as we said, with, the, with a fire, there's those three elements the same is true of anxiety. The first one is isolation. The second, a desire for control. And third, a fear or, or a worry um, of insecurity. Obviously, when we feel alone in our problems, it increases the temperature of those things, right? It, it, it makes it harder to, to deal with them and to process. When we, when we try and exert control over our circumstances and we feel like we can't, it fuels our anxieties. And just feeling unsafe in our own skin, unsafe in the situations that we're in, also gives oxygen to these things. Thankfully, 
we are given instruction on how to deal with these three common issues in Philippians 4. In verses 5 through 7, it says this. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which, tran which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, initially, I think that this probably can sound a little bit flippant. Just don't worry about anything, right? Oh, perfect. That, that about covers it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's problem solved. And if somebody came up to you and said, I know the solution to your problems. You just need to stop worrying. You'd probably be like, can I borrow your keys for a second? And then you'd huck them into a lake and be like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm sure, I'm sure that if you're supposed to get your keys back, they'll turn up. It'll be fine, you know? And uh, I, I've I think that this verse can come off that way at first, but it's important that we break down the components of it and that we understand what is really being said here. The first part is the presence of God. It starts off saying, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. For all Christians, this is a promise. This isn't something that is partly true or sometimes true. This is always true. God is near. Jesus said in Matthew that he will never leave or forsake us, that he will always be present with us. Think of what a difference it makes in your life. If you're sick and you're at home and you're just feeling ratchet, you know, and somebody comes over and helps take care of you, even if the sickness doesn't leave, just the presence of somebody who cares about you can make a world of difference in dealing with the problem. And in the same way, God's presence in our lives, which we have as Christians, can take down the temperature of the fires of anxiety that rage in our hearts. He identifies with our sufferings. He knows them firsthand through his experience, and he wants to walk through these things with us as well. And often, when we, when we talk about that verse, uh, we start off without even acknowledging that first part. And that's one of the downfalls of the, the way that the Bible has been um, added to with verse demarcations. When it was first written, there weren't verse-by-verse verse mar markations. It was entire coherent thoughts. And so a lot of times we say, don't worry about anything, but in everything, and that's where we start. But, but I think it's important that we start with the idea that God is near. This makes a difference. Next, we are told, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The very fact that we're being told to present our requests to God indicates that, in fact, we will face difficulty. If we didn't have anything that we had need for, we wouldn't have to bring our requests before God. And often I think that we can have this mentality that, like, I'm a Christian now. Life should be easy. Life should be good. But that's not what we're promised. What we're promised is that God will be with us in our pain, that God will be present with us in our sufferings, that God is good, and that even when our circumstances are, aren't good, that God can use those things to bring good into our lives. In Romans, it says, 
that God uses all things for the good of those who love him and serve him according to his will. We have a God who is capable of taking even our brokenness, taking even other people's sin against us, and if we submit it to him, he can use it for our good. When, uh, when I was in uh, youth group a number of years ago, we, uh, on one of our retreats, went and, and played a, a, a game of sorts uh, called the Impossible Sit-Up. Have anybody, any of you ever heard of the Impossible Sit-Up? One, one, two? Okay, so I'm glad that most of you haven't because this will uh, be a bit of a surprise for you, I suppose. Um, so we went around to, to our comrades up at the retreat, and uh, we said, listen, guys, there's this sit-up that literally nobody can do. It's, it's impossible. You, there's no way to beat it. And in, and in fact, we've never seen anybody beat it. It is literally impossible. And of course, one of the guys there, you know, he's pretty proud of his body, thinks of himself as a bit of an Adonis, and so he's like, pretty sure, pretty sure I could do the sit-up. And we're like, no, you don't get it. This, this literally, you can't. It's impossible. And, and we talk, talk it up a bit, and, and finally he's like, listen, guys, I'm, I'm going to prove to you that I am capable of doing this sit-up. And so we're like, all right. But just to warn you, we've only ended, ever seen it end poorly for people. I've got this. I've got this. So we get him to lay down. And if I lay down here, can you guys see me still? Can everybody at the back see me still? Yeah? Perfect. So we get him to lay down. Somebody goes and sits on his feet so that, you know, he can really use his power. And then we take a towel like this one and we fold it up. And we put it over top of his face. And so it's like, kind of like this. And then he's laying down on the ground. And, and one of us is holding the towel so that he, he can't do the sit-up, right? Because we're holding the towel. And he's just groaning like crazy trying to do this sit-up. And, uh, and as he's doing this, one of the other guys walks over, steps over top of him crouches down. Yeah, you can see where this is going. He couldn't. <laughs> crouches down, drops his pants, and at that moment, the towel is released, and like a catapult, his face ascends into sweaty teenage boy buttocks. And, uh, I mean, I have never seen anybody get up and start swinging so fast. It was wild. He, uh, he had been clearly warned that this would not end well for him. But he thought he could still do it. You know, I think we often believe in our own lives that if we could control our circumstances, that we would have peace. But the reality is that if our peace is found in temporal things, we can't truly have peace. Because even if we get what we want, we could lose it. And so we're always in this uncomfortable position of trying to attain something or trying not to lose something that we have. 
the reality is that our peace can only be found in God because God is eternal. God is perfectly good. And when we try and find our peace in things apart from God, it's like trying to do the impossible sit-up. We, we see this all the time in our friends' lives. We see them worrying about things and being anxious about things. And we say, man, this is no good for you. This isn't helping. But for some reason, when it comes to ourselves, we think, I can do it. I can control these things. And there are so many things that are outside of our control. I go back to, to that list of, of potential uh, sources of anxiety, uh, physical, emotional, relational, mental. You can't control if you get sick. You can't control the job market. You can't control other people sinning against you. There are so many things that are beyond our control. And if, and if our hope rests on keeping things within our control, we will lose our hope. But if our hope rests on God, if our trust is in Him to control the outcomes and the circumstances, we can have peace. And that's what this verse is ultimately about when it says, do not worry about anything, but, but pray about everything. Bring your petitions before God. It's saying, God, I acknowledge that I'm incapable of controlling things and, and bringing them to the right outcome. I can't do it, and so I'm going to put it into your hands. And this is incredible because we don't have to worry, right? This isn't, this isn't God saying, stop worrying. This is God saying, listen, son, daughter, you don't have to worry. I've got it. You can rest. I'm going to take care of you. Now, this is not an excuse to ignore things that are in our control. I gave the example of we can't control the job market, but we can control our training, right? We, can, we can't control um, whether or not we get sick, but we can exercise and eat well, and that will affect our health. There are things that are within our control, but ultimately what this verse is saying is that we put our lives in God's hands. We lay ourselves down before him and we say, you are ultimately in control and you are the only one that is capable of bringing all things under your control. You're the only one that is capable of, of seeing the future, of seeing where things need to go and bringing good results into my life. And finally, uh, we talk about the protection of God. When we surrender our anxieties to God and we trust Him to bring good through whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we open the door to God's peace. The verse says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The idea in that verse is literally having a garrison of soldiers surrounding your mind and your heart. The picture here is, is God setting up military guard around your heart and your mind. Now, what difference would it make to you if you felt that you had that kind of protection over you, right? When, when you know that somebody who is capable is also protecting you, it makes a world of difference. And that's the idea here, is that God's saying, come, rest in me. 
find peace in me. I will guard your heart and your mind. If you, if you bring your worries to me and you lay them down at my feet and trust me to control the outcomes, I can give you total peace. We can finally breathe easy. We can rest. Again, this is not about not going through difficulty, but instead about God being present with us in our difficulty. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that you have been set free. So do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. God wants so badly for us to walk in freedom and to experience his joy in our lives. He wants us to be in step with his spirit, to be attentive to the ways that he's directing us. He wants to bring good things into our lives. But we have to bring our hearts before him. We have to kneel our our knee and say, I'm not in control. We aren't God. We can't control the outcomes of our lives. And so we put our, our lives into his hands because he can. Um, in just a minute here, I'm going to close with just a couple more thoughts. Um, and after I do that, we're going to play a song. Uh, and I just want to, yeah, we just want to give you guys some time to think, um, to process, um, yeah, to kind of just walk through any anxieties that you might be facing in your life right now and to bring them before God. And uh, after that song plays, we're also going to have a few people up at the front here uh, who are ready to pray with you. And so if there's anybody who would like prayer in their lives for any particular issue, you can feel free to come up. And uh, after the song plays, if, if you are like good to go, then feel free to head out. Uh, and we want to just kind of keep the sanctuary a quiet place for people to process and, uh, and pray. So two more thoughts just to close off before we, before we move into that time of reflection. First of all, is that God is the master builder. And some of you have had significant setbacks, pains, anxieties in your life, and it has caused damage to portions of that home of your life. And I want you to know that God can repair that damage. And not only can God repair that damage, but he can make your home more beautiful than it's ever been. And he wants to do that for each of us. He wants to walk with us through all of our trials and through all of our pains and to bring good into our lives. I'll just close with this story and then we'll move into that time of reflection. Uh, a few years ago, I, I read a book uh, with this wonderful story in it, and um, it was about a, a young man who had lost his sight in his, uh, in his early 20s, I believe. And he kind of sunk into depression. Um, a lot of the things he used to be able to do and enjoy, he could no longer do. And so he just stayed inside uh, of his family's home and just kind of gave up on the idea of, of ever being able to really be useful or joyful again. And one day, his dad came into his room after watching his son for, for weeks and months um, be in this state, and, and he couldn't take it anymore. He wanted his son to have purpose and to have freedom from this fear that had encapsulated his life. And he came in and he said, Son, the storm... Storm doors need to be put on the windows 
and it needs to be done before the end of the day. The tools are out on the porch. There's a ladder out there. You need to go do it, and that's the way it is. And before his son could even argue it, he left the room. The son was irate, and, and he was like, how can, you, how can you expect this of me? I already have to deal with being blind, and now you're going to try and make me do things that, like, I'm literally not capable of doing. Fine. You know what? I'll go out, and I'll do it, and I'll fall off of the ladder while I'm working, and I'll break my neck, and we'll see how you feel then. Well, he went out, grabbed the tools, and, you know, a lot of fumbling around, feeling his way around. He had done it before when he had his sight, so he knew what to do. And eventually, with much effort, he actually succeeded in, in getting those storm doors put up on the windows. And he realized, this doesn't have to be the end for me. This trauma that had happened, yes, it's, it's hard. And, and nobody would argue that it's not. But it doesn't need to be the defining characteristic of my life. And it was a turning point for him that he started down a new path where he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to see what I am capable of doing. And years later he ended up having a very joyful, fruitful life filled with good things because of that decision to, to make a change. What is super cool to me is that years later, he found out that during that day when he was out there thinking, I'm going to break my neck because I'm trying to do these things that I'm not capable of doing, the entire day that he was out there working, his dad was never more than two steps away from him quietly just walking with him, making sure that he was safe. Friends, God loves you so much. He wants to heal the things that are broken in your heart. He wants to take away your fears and your worries for the future. He wants you to know that your past is not the defining characteristic of your life. He wants to bring good into your life. He wants to give you peace in your heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this night. We thank you that as your word says that you are near, that you are here present with us, God, that you walk with us, that you care for us, that you desire to bring good into our lives, God. And we pray that you would help us to sense your presence. And God, that even when we don't feel you close, that we would trust that you are in control. And God, we pray that we would bring our needs before you. And that through that, God, you would cultivate hearts of peace for us. That our minds would be protected like your word says. And that we would experience freedom walking with you. We pray this in Jesus' name.